right. Thank you, Randy. I'm going to pray one more time. Just, um, Lord, I just pray that you'd, your words would go forth, Lord God. There'd be nothing of me and all of you, Lord God. And just pray that you'd edify us tonight, Lord, in all these, uh, all your words, Lord, all your teachings, Lord, and all the things that you had to say tonight, Lord. Be glorified tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So tonight, um, I did want to uh, talk about the topic of war. And um, just to bring it out, you know, we are, I, I believe, we are at war. You know, we're, we're at war in different types of ways. Um, if we look 50 years ago, it's certainly not the same world we're living in today. If we look 20 years ago, it's certainly not the same world we're living in today. We have a lot more conflict going on, a lot more things happening. Um, but certainly this is part of, you know, this is part of prophecy. Um, you know, the Bible talks about birth pangs. And, you know, we're going to have birth pangs more and more close to each other before the Lord returns. So, um, you know, I just wanted to discuss this and, and look at, um, you know, how did we get here? How do we, how do we have these conflicts so much? And how do we live in this conflict? And then what's the solution to this conflict? So a war is, Webster says, a war is a struggle between two opposing forces, right? Obvious. Uh, it's also a state of hostility, antagonism, and conflict. And certainly we see that in the good versus evil conflict that we see. But another principle I wanted to bring out was, you know, we have these, these wars, but they, they start as spiritual, and then they, um, they become physical. They, they, they actually, uh, you know, the fruit of it is in the world. Uh, it, it affects our lives. So let's, let's just uh, turn to Ephesians 6.12. That would be one of the main scriptures that we would study here. Ephesians 6.12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And th this isn't my, in my notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, recently, I was talking to my mother-in-law about, you know, an issue that I was, you know, trying to battle with, you know, in the, in the physical and she said, this is a spiritual thing, you know, and, and she was right. I, you know, I went and dealt with it spiritually, and I had a lot more success, spirit, you know, in the physical by dealing with the, phys with the spiritual. So it's, it's really amazing how the spiritual manifests itself in the physical in this world. Um, we can certainly see poor choices that are made in our spiritual lives leads to realities that affect the physical world. So some of the types of wars that we face, I just wanted to kind of keep us aware of these things, and then we'll go into a few other things, but some of the types of wars that we face, one is a, is a social war or a cultural war. You know, it's the social norms of today versus norms of the past. Um, certainly we see just promiscuity um, fornication, uh, homosexuality, and it's moving into transgenderism, and it's moving into worse than that. You know, it, it's, it's all moving in a direction that's not of God, and it's certainly affecting us. You know, it's affecting our families. 
It's affecting our, our marriages or relationships, the way we you know, just look at the world. Um, it's a war on the social fabric of society. Um, the family unit is being attacked. You know, the father is being attacked. The mother is being attacked. The definition of a, a woman is being attacked. You know, we see all these things. But again, it's, it's the spiritual that is affecting the physical. You know, it's, it's people that are making the poor phys- spiritual choices, and then it's producing this, this fruit. The Lord said a good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So it's, it's what's, you know, coming out of that, that person's spiritual life, you know. Uh, another war that we see are financial wars. Uh, we see corporate takeovers. We see currency devaluations. We see war on the dollar. We see inflation, for sure. We see national debt. There, I mean, that thing's gone. I, I, I don't even see how they'll bring that thing back. But it's all driven by the lust for power and the lust for greed and the lust for more. You know, um, unfortunately, it's going to affect this world. You know, the, these financial wars will affect the economy and it'll affect the livelihoods of people. Um, another war that we see is ideological wars, the wars that, that go on in the mind. Um, one of them is history. You know, we see that history is, is being rewritten or trying to be rewritten in America. Um, George Orwell said the most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their, under, their own understanding of their history. So uh, we, you know, we certainly want to see and, and just realize that U.S. history is trying to be rewritten, but we can also look at other nations like China. China will not let its people look at their history before communism came there. They will not look at entertainment, any of the ancient uh, you know, traditions of entertainment or anything like that, that's, that's all being erased. And it's because they want to destroy the sense of culture, community, and learning from history. And it's just not, you know, it's not something that's right. It's something that we need to keep aware of. Another one that's more popular um, and it's more at home is uh, eugenics or depopulation mantra versus God-fearing pro-life individuals, you know, those who believe all human beings are made in the image of God and that life is sacred. You know, Webster defines eugenics as the practice or advocacy of controlled selective breeding of human populations as by sterilization to improve the population's genetic composition. And, and th- these folks are all up in the government. I mean, and I'm not, you know, trying to say we need to go study everything, but we need to be aware that, you know, this is a movement. Um, also, there's a lot of people, and it kind of makes sense to the rational mind, you know, there's too many people on the earth. You know, depopulation needs to happen. Um, depopulation is defined as the action of causing a country or area to have fewer people living in it. So I just looked at a few uh, quotes of folks that are talking about depopulation, right? Because uh, it, it is a buzzword today in the government and, and other circles. Um, one of them says, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. 
If we really do a great job on vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 to 15%. And that was Bill Gates who said that. So take it for what it is. Um, you know, I just see that these kind of quotes, they're kind of devaluing uh, the regard for life. You know, we're just the numbers, that kind of thing. And we're really not. Prince Philip said, in the event that I am reincarnated, I would like to return as a deadly virus in order to contribute something to solve overpopulation. Again, we just looked at as a number. We're not looked at as God's creation. And uh, Henry Kissinger, you know, I remember him as a kid, but he was a um, politician, very, you know, famous. He said back then, U.S. policy towards third world, the third world should be one of depopulation. And so that's the mindset. How do we, how do we lower this, this population? And really, if mankind would follow the edicts of God and try to stop, play, uh, uh, stop playing God, th this so-called problem would be solved. There's absolutely plenty of land, plenty of resources, and more importantly, you know, the Lord gives us creation, creativity. He gives us ingenuity. And there's plenty of that to, to, to go around to make this, this creation work. But yet we can see that man wastes, destroys, and withholds because of greed, lust for power, and foolishness. And that's certainly, you know, what we see. And again, it's spiritual. It's, it's, they, they're not following the God of this universe. They're they're following their flesh. They're following something else, and it's just affecting the world. And, and there, here we are. We're at war with, with these kind of things. Um, another war is faith around the world. You know, that's, that's definitely, being, definitely happening. Um, the examples I have are, are more authoritarian governments, but they're, they're happening nonetheless, and I thought it was very eye-opening. Um, Certainly, you guys have probably heard of the churches in China. They're, they're just mowing down the churches that are, that are independent. Um, you have to go to a state-run church. Uh, they just order the bulldozers in and, and, and mow them down, and they, people just sit there and watch. But the other thing that is uh, really amazing, um, the Bible is being rewritten in China and North Korea. Uh, this is from an article from the Family Research Council. Um, in China, I'll just read it. In China, their version of John 8, 1 through 11, depicts Jesus as a sinner. Um, they say, in every authentically translated version of Scripture, Jesus responds, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. We all know that story. And then it goes on. It says, these words disperse the angry crowd, and Jesus tells the woman, go, and from now on, sin no more. And that's that's how every version works uh, or reads. English Standard Version, King James, everything else. Here's the Chinese version. The Chinese Communist Party's version takes a different turn. In this telling, the crowd leaves, but Jesus tells the woman, I too am a sinner. But if the law could only be executed by men without blemish, the law would be dead. Jesus then proceeds to stone the woman. That is their Bible. And, you know, th this verse says a lot. It says Jesus is, is not sinless. Jesus is not God. It also says the law is the way, you know, not the law is the way to God, not Jesus. 
And so this is absolutely an anti-Christ teaching in their Bible. Um, there's a Fox News article that says the North Koreans are taught hymns of praise to Kim Il-sung, the nation's founder, and the current leader, Kim Jong-un. Kindergartners are taught to say a prayer before they eat. Thank you, Father Kim Il-sung, for our food. Unbelievable. When reading Matthew 18:20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them, North Koreans see a different version. Where two or three are gathered, one of them is a spy. And that's how they twist this, this thing, uh, you know, this, this, these scriptures, they kind of control, they're trying to control people. You know, it's say, this verse is saying God's not present, he's, omni, he's not omnipresent. And really, in all this, this is saying the Communist Party is their God. And they're going to, you know, they're going to make the people worship in that way. Um, but certainly, these nations are blaspheming the name of God and his word. And, and mentioned in Revelation as well. It talks about the nations that blaspheme God. These nations are cursed, and they will not have God's protection. They will incur the wrath of God during the tribulation and the judgment of God when they face eternity. So their, their time is coming, and I am positive that they have major problems even today because the Lord's hand is not on them, and, and the devil is having a field day. So that's another, another war that's you know, overseas, but uh, certainly you know, people here are trying to change the Bible for sure. You know all that. Um, another war that we see ourselves in is atheism versus theism. Again, this is a spiritual choice. You're going you're gonna to either choose to believe in God or you're not going to choose to believe in God. But really, if you think about it, it takes more faith not to believe in a creator God. We look at nature. We look at all different aspects of nature. You can, you, it just hits you like a brick, you know. Everything in nature points towards a creator. It doesn't happen by chance. There's no way. We look at the cosmos and the millions of galaxies that we have and think that the, you know, this earth is just by chance. No way. We look at the human body, the intricacies of that, and then everyday miracles like the sun, the food, air that we breathe. Um, and really... Not believing in a creator God defies logic, that innate logic that we're born with, that we have. It defies it. You know, it takes more faith to believe that there is no creator than to believe that there is a, crea uh, that there is a God that has not been created. That's about the only thing they had to stand on. How did God get created? Well, you know, John Lennox says, well, that's my God, a God who was created. I don't want to worship. I want to worship a God who wasn't created. And, and it makes total sense, too. So, you know, I see atheism as an obstinate stubbornness. Just, I'm not going to go there. I know what you're hearing, but I'm not going to go there. And this is something that's, that's going to affect our kids in school. It's going to affect, you know, us. So we just have to be, you know, aware of this and, and take in the word of God, pray, you let the Holy Spirit guide us, and, and we can, you know, we can withstand this. Um, an offshoot of atheism is evolutionism or the origin, study of origins of life versus a created universe with a creator. 
Um, there's, there's certain folks that put out some great videos. Um, there's a, a guy, a chemist in um, Texas. He preaches at Rice University. His name is James Tor. Excellent uh, speaker. Ray Comfort has some great stuff on uh, evolution, you know, debunking evolution. Certainly Ken, ha Ken Ham is as well. But, I, you know, just watching those videos are really refreshing to see that, you know, these guys are, they, they are shining the light as Christians should shine the light and, you know, um, shine truth into these areas of, of academics because it's really not an honest way of, of approaching academics. You know, this type of teaching is attack on our faith. You know, he used, the enemy uses school as a tool to attack faith. You see young children coming up through, Amber's well aware of this, you know, it, the system that they're coming through is, is not a good system. It's, it's a system that takes away their faith, but it's not, you know, it's not honest. They teach evolution as fact. It is not fact. It has never been a fact. It's a theory. And if they would say that, that would be great, but it's not. They, they do not teach that. Um, but again, why do people do this? Because that's the spiritual manifesting itself in the physical world. They actually believe that after a while. I, I would think, you know, that there's, they took that spiritual road down that, that way, and this is their truth. So that, that's where we are. But the Lord did, he did in uh, Luke 18, 8, he, he warns us, he says, Nevertheless, when son of, the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So we want to heed that warning. We want to, you know, make sure that we're not walking down that road blindly and not trying to discern things uh, spiritually and, and truthfully. Um, another type of war we see that's real life is they call it kinetic wars or, you know, just conventional wars. Um, we have things in Ukraine right now, Taiwan, and Israel. And they're certainly using these contemporary weapons, missiles, tanks, drones, etc. But there's also the possibility of nuclear weapons uh, being used in certain areas. And I'm, I'm not an alarmist. I'm just <laughs> saying what's going on, uh, you know, the, the world that we live in. Um, and, and this is not what the Lord wants. You know, we all lose in a nuclear war. But we can see that you know, because of people's spiritual blindness, they keep pushing that limit, and, and we don't know, you know, what will happen next, but I guess one of the takeaways from that is just to be ready, you know, to be ready to, to meet the Lord. James uh, talks about a war within ourselves, our flesh, our sin nature. Uh, I'll just read it real quick, James 4, 1 and 2. He says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you do not ask. And what's the answer to the war within ourselves? Well, certainly it's being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's having that deep relationship with God. It's reading his word, getting that knowledge from, from, his, you know, from his word that, that kind of wars against our flesh. Uh, and, and overcomes the, our flesh and our passions and everything else that that's comes along. Even with saved people, we have this, this war that's going on. So we want to we press in, and we want to win through, through the Lord and his word. 
So the root of all these things, like I said, are spiritual. It's a rebellion to truth versus obedience and submission to the truth, to God. And like I said you know, earlier, the solution to these wars are spiritual as well. Christ delivers and he sets free. He, he, he makes a way. Um, and it's just amazing. The first war started with Satan, who was the instigator. If you think about it, Satan threw the first punch. Um, there was peace in heaven. There was tranquility. There was worship. And why don't we turn to Isaiah 14, 13 through 17. And we'll read about what happened. Isaiah 14, 13 through 17. It starts out, it says, You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. Here we go. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder at your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities? It would not let its, his captives go home? So this recaps Satan's existence, really. You know, he, he, he rebelled against God, and he, he was put down, and then people are going to you know, look at him in, in the end and say, that was him? That, that, that person? But right now, you know, we can't overcome the devil. We need God to overcome the devil and any allies that rage against God. So we just have to keep that in mind. But, but he is the instigator. He's the one who started this whole thing. Well, there, I'm just going to cover a few aspects of the traditional definition of war and how this relates to spiritual warfare. So in war, there are soldiers, right? There's certainly soldiers. There's officers and there's privates and, and things of that nature. Well, Satan has his, his generals. He's got the world players. He's got President Xi and King Charles and Joe Biden. He's got Hollywood. He's got false religious teachers, you know, like Kenneth Copeland, um, who has some horrible... Um, doctrine out there. He's got Bethel Church in Redding, California, and even the current pope, the things that are coming out of his, his you know, pulpit or, or something else. So it's certainly not of God. <clears throat> but these are generals. They're, they're, they're not the leader. Satan is the leader. And whether these guys know it or not, Satan will bring all who follow him to destruction. Um, but the devil also has foot soldiers. They're common folk with an evil heart of unbelief. Uh, we may work with them. We may run into them at the gas station. Um, but they're easily swayed and by fleshly passions of the world. You know, they're like a fish. You know, they see a lure in the water. And since they're hungry, you know, they, they kind of go for it. But then they're hooked and they're reeled in, right? They're lost and blind and hard-hearted. But they're still reachable by the gospel. And that's, that's our mission. You know, God is saving sinners each and every day. He's, 
He's, uh, his heart is to save each and every person. So, you know, I can attest to um, being somebody who's a, a, a common folk with the evil heart of unbelief who was sent, uh, saved, you know, from sin by the gospel. Praise the Lord. But in God's army, we're called the priesthood of believers. We're called the royal priesthood in a holy nation in 1 Peter 2.9. Um, as soldiers, we're called to study ourselves to be approved. That is, to know the orders of God that he's given us. Um, we're, we're called to be equipped to use our supplies that are issued to us. You know, Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We want to use that equipment. We're also called to endure hardship. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.3 says that. We're called to focus on our mission and not be distracted by the tactics of the enemy or even our flesh. You know, we want to we live this life uh, as a good soldier for the Lord. It's a great, great example. Um, another thing the, the Bible says is, you know, we are the body of Christ. We're, we're God's army in a body. We have different functions, but nonetheless, we are an army. In Romans, I'll read this to Romans 12, 4 through 5 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, we, so we who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. So if you think about it, that's a really good, strong army. We all have our different functions, and we're all going on our different missions but we're, we're working as one unit, and that is very, very powerful, soldiers. Um, also, we're, we are called to be intense as soldiers following the Lord. This, this verse always strikes me. Um, I, I ran across it, you know, a while back, but it always strikes me. It's, it's an amazing verse. It's Matthew eleven twelve. Matthew eleven twelve. 12. <clears throat> it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. I just find that so amazing. Um, and what does that mean, you know, the violent take it by force? Well, it, it's, it's people who are hungry for God, people who, you know, don't want to half-heartedly go after God. It's people who press through to get God. You know, certainly when Jesus was walking on the earth, People pressed through. They wanted to have their sins forgiven. They wanted to be healed. They wanted peace in their lives, you know. And, and they saw that Jesus was given this. Um, we have the 5,000 that were fed. Well, the 5,000 men, plus their families, went out to hear Jesus preach. And they sat there, you know, abandoning whatever was going on. They were going to listen to the Lord. But they abandoned so much that the Lord said, if they go back, they're going to they're gonna pass out. They don't have any food, and they, you know, they've come to see me, and so I'm going to feed them you know, with, with real food. But that was, that was their violence of trying to follow or find the Lord. We also see the woman who pressed in to touch his garment. She pressed through the, through the crowd, and she had that faith, and she pressed his garment. Well, that was, you know, that, that wasn't a half-hearted thing. It was, you know, she was going to do that, and, and she, she did it, and she was successful. 
Um, and lastly, uh, the last example is blind Bartimaeus. You know, blind Bartimaeus would not be quiet. Shh, you're, you're making too much noise. He's like, no, I'm not going to be quiet. So he, he pressed in. You know, he found the Lord. He was violent in his pursuit for the Lord. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, another aspect of, wep- uh, of, of warfare, uh, weapons of war, right? We, we see weapons used in war. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So God's weapons would include prayer, uh, praying in the spirit, fasting, teaching, preaching, um, generosity. You know, when, when an unbeliever sees how, how we love one another, you know, uh, they, they are taken aback. Um, we also want to show the excellence of God in one's calling to, to give God the glory. We want to speak the truth in love and shed light on things that we need to shed light. And lastly, a weapon of the Lord is love. Love drives out fear. You know, that's, that's what the Lord gives us as, a, as weapons, some of the weapons. Now, the devil, he's got weapons too. He's got denying God. He's got, you know, comfort in doubting God. You know, some people just relish in, in doubting God, how stupid those people are, you know. Um, he's got false teachers. He's got abuse of power to influence people, you know, using your, your influence to, to use people the wrong way. Um, instead of uh, generosity, he's got taking advantage of the poor or ruling by force, not by principle. Instead of excellence in one's calling, he's got taking the shortcuts or dirty politics. Um, instead of speaking the truth in love, the devil has malice, gossip, and slander as his weapons. And lastly, one of his main weapons is fear. He wants, to, he wants us to be afraid so we don't move, we don't, we don't act, we don't do anything. Um, there's also rations in war of food. We call them MREs, meals ready to eat. The Lord gives us grace and faith and his word and the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit. And the enemy gives us lies. He gives us anti-God literature and he gives us fleshly desires that lead to death. That, that's, his, that's his food for us. And sadly, <clears throat> there are casualties to war. And this is where the stakes are really high. Um, you know, the Lord's casualties are great. The Lord's casualties are saved souls, changed lives. God is glorified. The enemy is defeated. There's peace and order in one's life, there's a sound mind, and there's peace with God. But here's the bad, the bad news. <clears throat> the devil, he causes death and destruction, addiction, broken families, undue pain and suffering, depression, self-defeat. He causes conflict and chaos. <clears throat> you can see it. Um, I was telling somebody the other day, and we've talked about it before, I believe, but when you put a believer in the midst of unbelievers in a work environment, it changes it totally. But without that believer, there's, there's depression, there's conflict, there's chaos, everything. So, and it's true if you just look at it. Um, but, but there's a few more casualties. There's a tormented mind and there's a judgment of God um, 
on folks that are following, not following God. And uh, there's a thing that we can kind of hold on to. You know, this world for believers is the worst it gets. But this world for non-believers is the best it gets. So they better have fun if they're doing it on purpose because, you know, in 90 years, nobody's going to be here. Um, and we can remember our God is intense. He can handle this situation. He can handle wartime situations. This is an interesting verse, Exodus 15.3. It says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Certainly, that's, that's pretty intense. Um, Jeremiah 51.20 says, you are my hammer and weapon of war. With you, I break nations in pieces. With you, I destroy kingdoms. So the Lord's well aware of wars and, and how they work and um, you know, he's, he's still in control, as we, as we say here all the time. And here's a wonderful verse, Daniel 2.44. That's when his, his uh, kingdom is established. And I'll just read it, Daniel 2.44. It says, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So that's, that's a wonderful verse that the Lord's going to make happen, and he's, he's well aware on how to make it happen. So how do we live in this? That was one of the questions. How do we live in this? What, what do we do in this? Um, I have a few verses that, that kind of help us with that as well. How do we live in this wartime situation? Well, First Timothy 6.12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I mean, we have to live this life walking in faith every single day. Without it, you know, life is very difficult. But with it, it's not only bearable, it, it actually produces fruit you know, the manifestation of, of God in this world, which is good, which is good. So, you know, when we, when we get down or, or we focus on our problems too much, you know, we have to remember to walk in faith, you know, walk in faith of the God who saved us and is going to redeem us. Um, is Philippians 1, uh, verse 27 and 28. Here's another, another thing that... Um, is kind of key to this. I'll read it. Uh, it's, it's a little long. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> so whether, that, whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm <clears throat> in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And here's the key right here. And not frightened by anything by your opponents. We're not frightened. He goes on to say, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction. When we're looking at the devil and he's trying to frighten us and we're sitting there not being frightened in faith, it's a clear sign to him and whoever's following him of their destruction. And it goes on, it says, but of your salvation. It's a sign of your salvation. You're sitting there not afraid it's a sign of your salvation. 
and also that you come from God. It's just a wonderful verse to, to hold on to in the midst of all this calamity that's going on. Um, and we have some promises we can hold on to as well from God <clears throat> during battle. I'll just read a few of them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Proverbs 21.31 says, <clears throat> The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So again, if we're in the Lord's camp, the victory belongs to the Lord. You can have your tanks, you can have your money, you can have your position, your power, whatever you want. If I'm in the Lord's camp, the victory belongs to the Lord. Here's what David said in Psalm 144, 1 and 2. He said, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. That's so descriptive. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer. My shield, and in him I take refuge, who subdues people under me. So he's, you know, he's everything to us. He's, he's training us. He's keeping us. He's our fortress. Uh, he's everything to us. But he's real nonetheless. He, so lastly, the last verse I have here is Revelation seventeen fourteen, And it kind of sums all this up. It's the answers to, to these problems. Um, it says, these shall make war with the Lamb, these, these people who are, who are out there that don't believe in God, and they are making war with the Lamb, with the devil. And the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful. Lord God, so Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your promises. We thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you for your son, Jesus who came to this earth, Lord God, to help us through all these issues, Lord God, that we see facing our families, our, just our loved ones, Lord, ourselves. Lord God, we thank you for salvation that comes through your son, Jesus, and we thank you for the victory that you've won. We just praise your name, Lord God. Amen. Yeah, I'll look in, in your Bibles, if you would, at Second uh, Timothy chapter 2. We're going to close, and Dee's going to play. Uh, thank the Lord for uh, the truths and the scriptures and the word that Eric shared. We certainly are in a war. Um, and at the heart of it all is, is good and evil and truth and darkness and light. There's a God of this world who's created that he spoke of, of Satan, and there's the King of kings and Lord of lords that he closed with that scripture from Revelation. The, the victory and, and the outcome is not in doubt. God wants us, though, to live and walk in the victory. Amen. The Bible says we're more than conquerors through him that loves us, and yet we go to battle, so to speak, every day. We're in a battle every day. And uh, Paul says, uh, I die daily. Paul says we're, we're always delivered to death that the life of Christ may be manifest in our mortal bodies. So he puts us in those situations like, let's say a Chinese Christian right now, that their church is bulldozed down or they're in prison and they're being starved to death. And, and certainly we pray for them. We need to pray for them. But the Lord allows human beings that know him to be put in situations, and that's a very extreme one, so that the life of Christ may be shown through a weak earthen vessel. 
and show that he is Lord. He is Lord. Uh, Satan did everything he could to Job, and, and the Lord knew beforehand he's not going to deny me. That's the one thing Satan wanted. He didn't want his children, so to speak, or his cattle or his houses and so forth. He, what he wanted from Job is he says, if I, if I affect, afflict his body, he'll curse you to your face. The Lord said, do what you can, do what you desire up, and, up to this point of killing him. And guess what? Job did not deny the Lord. Satan was defeated in that. It's not what he wanted. It's not the outcome he expected. And there's the faith that, that Eric talked about. We're always in, in little, little uh, events or medium-sized or big events. Like we're, we're, uh, we're in those positions where, where we're tested and it's the devil. It's the devil through a person. It's the devil through a wicked uh, political leader who now has the power and control. And he doesn't care one thing for you or your life. He cares about himself and his movement. We're tested in these things. And God let, lets us go through them. And we need to, tr first of all, look to him and trust him. And second of all, we need to, uh, to be wise. We need to understand what the will of the Lord is in the midst of those things and trust God. It's not always just get me out of it. He does get us out. When we're raptured, we'll be out. When we die and go to heaven, we'll be out. But until then, he wants us to be strong in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want to close with one scripture, and then we'll just stand and pray together. And if you're in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he, he referenced this scripture, Eric did. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, he kind of describes that soldier, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please the one who had chosen him to be a soldier. Well, you and I got real simple marching orders. Please, God, that's our marching orders. Walk in faith, obey the Lord. Well, there's this pull here and this movement here, and there's this here and there's that there, and all I have to do is keep my eyes on Jesus. Well, Lord, I got to compromise for these financial concerns. I have to compromise to fit in at work or school. They don't have to compromise at all. Keep your eyes on Jesus and obey him and walk in his ways. He's going to take care of you. He's, you're his responsibility. Amen. You committed your life to Christ. You're his responsibility. He'll take care of you. Walk with the Lord and fight the good fight of faith. And the Lord's going to help us to do that. Y'all stand. We're just going to close tonight with a prayer. And again, thank you, Eric for sharing that, uh, that word. It's good and, and refreshing to hear other people and, and the messages and words and the ministries of others that, that God gives us, and I'm very thankful for it. So thank you, Eric, for doing that. But let's just pray. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord tonight. Father, we understand, God, that we're not ignorant, Lord. We understand the warfare that we're in. God, help us to be strong in the Lord in the power of your might, Lord. Help us, God, to keep our eyes on Jesus. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Help us to walk in that. Fill us with your spirit, God. Help us not to be depressed, discouraged, fearful. Help us to walk in, in peace and in confidence in our God, Lord. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.